0: Hello, my name is Susanne. Welcome to the 150th episode of Handmade from the life of a knitting, singing, writing spinner. Today brings you the 15th ever English episode. So, for those of you who don't know, every episode with a zero at the end from the Handgemacht podcast is an English overview episode where I try to talk about everything that I talked about in the nine episodes before. Um, Well I don't actually talk about everything because you don't really want a nine-hour episode of the podcast Um, or at least I suppose you don't want that um, uh, anyways, I don't want to record a nine-hour episode of the podcast. Um, Yeah, Um, I thought about what happened since the last English episode, and I'm actually not quite sure how long that time frame is, but I can see that it must have been sometime in May. And um, May, yeah, that's a long time. I'm still writing the exact same novel that I started in February, and I'm a bit cranky about it, that I haven't finished it yet. On the other hand, I'm also rather proud that I'm still working on it, and it looks as if the end is near, though I've been saying that for month and month and month now. Um, So my plan, the last plan, was to finish the novel in September. Um, Then I realized, nope, not gonna happen. So I've extended my personal deadline to the end of October, which means that if I manage to write for about half an hour, five times a week, then I'll make that deadline. So that sounds much more realistic than my usual attempt of Okay, I'll do this stretch goal and I'll spend two hours of writing every single day, weekends, day in, day out, and if I fall behind then I'll just push a little harder and um, things will be great and I'll finish the book in three months. I would have loved to, but it never happens. So if I look back at my statistics I think I end up with about Six to seven hundred words on average per per day, so mm, setting myself a goal of, uh, writing two thousand, might be, mm, a bit too much. So that's the writing. What else? There was summer break, which was the usual crisis thing. Um, because summer break always is, we we painted the balcony but i think i already talked about that because that happened in april mm what else um uh, i don't know lots of small tiny things uh not a lot of uh, big things which is good um yeah school has started just um 2 weeks ago or 3 uh, i don't even know i think it's almost 3 weeks um Yeah, and I have no idea if you can hear the sound of the traffic outside. I don't know why that's so loud. I closed all the doors and windows here and um, yeah, this is the sound you get. I think I bought a new microphone since I recorded the last episode, but I'm not quite sure. And I just realized this morning that this is the 50th ever video episode of the podcast. And I'm still having a ton of technical difficulties all around. Um, somebody told me that um, there's a sound problem with the video on YouTube where, at the end, when I'm talking while the music's um, going on in the background, it isn't really going on in the background and one can't really understand what I'm saying. I think I might know why that's happening. I still don't know how to prevent that from happening. So for those of you who are um, technic geeks like me, the thing is this, what I think is happening, is that I'm recording the sound in GarageBand and then I'm exporting it to iMovie. Um, GarageBand is doing a mix and that puts a compressor on the, um, on the sound so that all the um, very soft, Parts are made a bit louder, and the louder parts are made made a bit softer. So um, when I'm talking, my voice comes to the foreground, shoot and then the um, once I stop talking, the music's pushed forward, so it goes up and down like a seesaw. And um, I think that the first mix puts compressor on it. The iMovie thing is mixing the whole thing again and I don't quite know how to prevent that. And that puts compressor on the already compressed audio track. And then when I export that uh, whole thing to YouTube I'm pretty sure that YouTube does something to the sound as well. And so in the end you end up with something that's compressed three times and then you can't really um, distinguish between the, uh, what I'm saying and the music because they're so intertwined and have gone up and down and up and down and up and down all the time that that results in um everything being mm, a little hard to um get I'm sorry um so next step will be to uh look into the um preferences for a garage band and iMovie movie and see if i can do something about that and the other thing would be if I were um putting the um music track um on the whole uh, video later not export the already mixed um audio track and then I'll see as I said I'm not quite sure if I can change it it bugs me endlessly and um the other thing I had technical difficulties with was the um uh, so mm, the um, the recording kept um, stopping because the computer was uh, overloaded which um, bugged me like crazy because this is a fairly new computer and yeah I didn't buy the uh, fastest one but it's not the weakest one you can get either and so I didn't understand why it was so hard the computer to record audio and video in two different programs at the same time and the other thing was that um, the usb-c um, um, plugs kept falling out of the socket and that happens all the time and it's a known um, flaw of the um, nice uh, what's it called thunderbolt um, system for the uh, mac laptops Yeah, so right now um, I'm hoping to prevent that by only having two programs open, so it used to be that I had a third program open where I would read my show notes from, so I am no longer do that, so I'll always uh, look over to the right side because I have my show notes there on my iPad. And the second thing is that I actually put something under the uh, plug so where the plug goes into the computer, I wedged my um, gla- uh, the case for my glasses underneath and I hope that that will prevent the microphone from spontaneously falling out. It It, it isn't really falling out, it's just, it looks fine and the computer tells you there's no connection. Oof. So we'll see how that goes. Mm, sorry to bother you with all those technicalities, but um that's... Quite a big thing for me right now, and as I said, it bugs me because I've been spending a lot of time thinking about it and trying to fix things and couldn't. But last podcast recording went great, and I'm hoping that these um, changes that I made will uh, do the trick. So, I'll be talking about what I made over the past few months. Um, I knitted First thing on my list is um, a purple Komodo jacket, uh, cardigan, sorry. Um, I'll talk a bit longer about it later, so for those of you who only get the audio, now every time I show um, a sweater or a blanket or something bigger on the podcast and I hold it into the camera, it actually comes between me, my voice and the uh, microphone. So the sound will change whenever I hold up. I'm trying not to move around too much, um, but uh, yeah, this is another compromise, because I'm sitting far away and... Um, I'm sitting away enough so that uh, people seeing this on video don't see the microphone, but close enough that the microphone will still pick up my voice. So it's not, um, well... Perfect. So Komodo. Um, so I'm holding a big mm, purple blob into the camera right now. This is um, from Handspun. I bought the fiber at the um, Reverie meeting I think in 2015 or 16, so a few years ago, and I spun that on the little gem. No. I didn't. Um, that was spun on the uh, the Victoria. Um, with the when I bought the lace flyer and was all new, so I did a two ply. I had um, this is Malabrigo Nube, so um, I think it's merino. I'm not quite sure, and um, uh, this is two ply that I spun on the lace flyer, and uh, yeah. I had this um, yarn laying around for a while and I wanted a very loose cardigan um, a lacy one to um, throw on over like t-shirts in the summer or something and um, I spontaneously decided to cast this on and then I was pretty much obsessed with it for a couple of weeks until I finished it. Um, the Komodo is... Um, this is something that I think most um, German knitters have m- made at one point or another. Um, so there's like a Komodo rave was going through a reverie um, at a point, and um, I never d- made it. Um, the designer Nicola Susan, something like that. Um, she uh, claimed that you can knit this without a gauge swatch and that it will fit anyways. So I can now tell you that, mm, yeah, she's right. That's because the construction is really interesting. Not that spectacular, but interesting. So you start the whole thing like a triangular, It actually it is a triangular triangular shawl with uh, sleeves. You start with the very, very small tap at the back of the neck and then you increase and so it's basically like a triangle um uh, and then you at one point um you add uh, how do you do that? I think you add two um two stitches, and then you um divide for the body and the sleeves, yeah. So yeah, you knit on. So you basically go on knitting your triangle, but there's a point where you have um uh divided off a few stitches for the um for the sleeves, like here um at this point. This looks like a raglan, and um so you take all these stitches that are on the top of your sleeve and put them on waste yarn, and then you cast on like two or four stitches, as a very few, Um, put those aside and then you knit downwards and complete your triangle for as long as you want. And then afterwards you pick up, um, you you take all the stitches that you put aside and make them into sleeves. Um, There's a fixed rate of uh, decreases or increases and I found that, um, that's a rate of increases or yeah it's increases and for the for the sleeves it decreases that rate usually works with a lot of different yarns and um gauges because um i think it's like two every six rows for the um sleeve decreases and it's um something like i don't know it's eight stitches all around um every eight rows something like that um for the rest of the garment and since it's so it's this triangle and so it gets wider and wider and wider at the bottom and it has these um like triangular fluffy things mm, hanging in the front and it doesn't close so i'm i'm not um putting it on right now but um so it's very wide here uh, around the shoulders and it just falls open so um not much to a tailor so yeah as i said it's really easy to knit and it's fun because you can go oh i go um just stocking it stocking it stocking it stocking it oh do increases stocking it stocking so Pretty mindless but has a bit of interest to it and I found it rather fascinating to see how the uh, the whole pattern would uh, come out and how it would fit. I haven't worn it yet because (laughs) I'll tell you about my Me Made May later. I've been starting to just um, wear more um, clothes that I made myself which means I'm wearing a lot of dresses and mostly um, skirts or mostly the denim skirt that I made some years back um, because that goes with everything and it has these huge pockets that are so nice to have and you can like carry everything around in there and it's sturdy. Denim is really really good material for a skirt Um, and so um, since my silhouette these days is mostly like um, I'm wearing a really white skirt. I don't want to wear a cardigan like that on top of that because that will like floofy white thing over another floofy white thing that will make me appear completely shapeless. So um once i'll be wearing more jeans again i think i'll uh, wear the cardigan more often as well so that was that um hmm, yeah um then i started a pair of toe socks because um Uh. when i'm running i'm usually wearing uh those um vibram five finger shoes so those are like um shoes that have little pouches for every toe and when you want to wear socks in those shoes of course you have to have socks that have toes. Um, so I was uh, looking at um, toe socks and found that hmm, they're either very flimsy and cheap or they are wool and nice and sturdy and really really expensive. And so I decided that I wanted to knit some for myself and since my shoes are rather tight I thought, "Oh, I'll just uh, use light fingering yarn." Um I had a hard time finding some that was not all colorful and bright. I love colorful and bright, but I look a bit like a clown with these shoes anyway, and so I wasn't too keen on uh wearing like Orange, yellow, green, stop uh, socks with those shoes. So I got um some Regia three ply. I found that it uh, the yarn's discontinued by now, but I got um two uh, balls of it, and started making toe socks. So the ones of you who uh, see this on the video will find that yeah, these might be toe socks, but there are no toes. Um, I was um, following, sort of, at first, um, the pattern Funky Fives, I think is the name. Um, and that has you, I think, start in the middle, so you um, you cast on like, I don't know, 60 something stitches and then you knit for a few inches in one direction and um you cast on with a provisional cast on so then you can next you make the toes and then you knit the whole sock sock um like uh toe up only you don't start with the toes you start in the middle of the foot like here then you knit a bit so just so you have something solid to start with then you knit all the toes and then you uh go back to where you stopped uh, after the beginning and knit the rest of the sock. Now me, I have done toe-up socks. I don't like them. Uh, we had a big discussion about sock construction uh, a couple of months back um, uh, on the podcasting of Deutsch Folge because I did that episode on, to, uh, on sock construction and there were a lot of people who said Oh, I love toe up socks and uh, it's much easier to make them fit and blah blah and so the thing is I've been knitting cuff down socks for, let me think, 40, 40 years and I can knit them toe up and I can do all kinds of things but it's just so much easier for me to make them fit when I start at the cuff. Um, right now I'm much in love with the um, Annie Fletcher's uh, sock patterns as you know. And um, so this time too I used um, the heel construction she does. So you start at the cuff, uh, then you knit straight, then you do increases which you can really see um, because um, there's this line that the increases make. um, Then uh, you do a heel turn, which is a bit like the, what's it called? Peasant heel? In German it's Herzchenferse, which is much nicer. It's a hard, little hard heel. Um, And then you just go on decreasing like you started, um, until you're back to the number of stitches that you need for the foot. Um next step for me will be to divide for the toes and determine uh how wide and long to make each toe and that will take a bit of thinking. So now um you might hear um the um fan of my computer come on that usually uh, bleeds through to the the audio I'm sorry nothing to be done about this. I've tried not to tax the computer too much. Um, just let me see. Nope. Nothing to be done about it. So next up, the computer will decide to stop working probably. So then I started a, uh, a scarf for my son because he bought himself a fancy tre- well trench coat like thing with a hood. Very very cool and hip and so he needs a scarf. So um, he doesn't like um, wool but this time he agreed to try something that's cotton and wool blend 50-50 and he declared this to be soft enough to be wearable. So this is the pattern bundled in brioche by Stephen West and I'm using a Lana Grossa. Yarn, uh, I forgot the name, but um, it's the one with merino and corn. So this goes nicely, and so since this is so this is brioche, as the name uh, hints at, and um, you do stripes. It's two-colour brioche, so um, one side has the mostly dark colours, and the other has the lighter ones, and. Um, so you do twelve rows, um, with two colors. Then you change one of the colors, like you can see here. I started with the dark blue, um, and then I did the dark gray, and then the middle blue. And on the other side, the stripes change later. So um, there's always something going on. It's really fun to knit, and I think um. I did a pretty good job at um, weaving the ends in while I was working on the uh, scarf and um, doing it in a way that they won't show up too much. So I did uh, Russian joints all through so that I'm hoping there won't be any unsightly ends sticking out. So this fan sound is driving me crazy, sorry. Um, The other thing, I finished something. This, these are the Vanilla, uh, what did I call them? Handspun Vanilla Rib Socks, another Danny Fletcher pattern. Um, this is for those one who might remember um, one of those slightly insane projects. At the, again at the revelry meeting in Regensburg, I started spinning this merino silk uh, fiber. That I bought at the Wolfschaff, but I think that this might be something that you can get at World of Wool. I'm not quite sure, and and now I'm not quite sure if I bought it at the Wolfschaff or at the Volknoll. However, I started spinning that. i um, thinking, oh, I'll just um make a quick uh sock yarn. This cable yarn. Uh, cabled yarn sorry cable is the ge- funny isn't it cable is the german term. <laughs> it's french but yeah we use it um so it's cabled and this is something that Abby Franken once suggested to me uh when i took her spinning class at backnang and she said you should try making cable yarn with um the two uh, so you you spin four um singles then you apply um, two and as oh, so you apply two of them, and then the other two, and then you take those resulting two plies and ply them with each other. So I have done uh, cable yarn before, where I um, spun in one direction, plied in the other, and then spun in the first, uh, plied in the first direction again. But um, I was complaining that uh, the resulting yarn is very knobbly and um, textured. And when I was knitting with it, it felt weird in my hands. Though when you um, actually see the fabric, when it's knitted, it's all smooth and there are no bumps anymore. The bumps are only in the yarn, not in the knitted fabric. But she said, well, what you can do is, you do the first uh, round of plying in the same direction as you were spinning. And then, you at the end, you ply the other way around. And that gives yarn that's pretty smooth. I don't know if you can see this. This doesn't look like cabled yarn, actually. It looks like... Um, it's, um, it looks completely smooth. Um, doing that first pass of flying is not so fun. So um, I did the whole project on a spindle and um, so I just spun away, it took me ages and then I mislaid the fiber. I had uh, pre-divided everything into eight parts, um, so I took 100 a hundred grams not quite four ounces. Um, and I, I had pre-divided them so I knew okay I'll just have this small portion of fiber to spin and then I'm done with this part and I was completely sure that I was making a, a three ply um, and then suddenly I found another bag with more of the fiber and realized Oops, oh no I was planning to do a cable yarn um, so it took ages and ages and ages, and this was the project that was um, sitting in my purse. Usually, I was carrying it around and not working it, and then at some point, um, I don't know quite, uh, I don't quite know when, but I just pushed it and I I worked on it, and so you. Um, I worked on, uh, did everything on the spindle. So every time I finished a portion, I uh pulled it off the spindle and then mm, I wound um flying balls so that um flying would be easier and um I'm usually using a project bag um to carry those um the applying ball and the spindle around so that I can um flip the the project back to my belt or something and then I can handle the whole thing easier and it's portable and I can take it with me. So then you end up with yarn. um, So you have those um, two plies uh, that are plied in the same direction as they are spun. Those are Pretty horrible to work with because you have all this twist stored up in the thread, and it's going like crazy because they are way overplied. And then they, um, those um, that yarn gets this um, slightly dead flat look that um, it gets when so when you're trying to do a regular two ply and you're starting in the wrong direction. For me, I don't usually see that I'm doing something wrong, but the, the yarn looks so stringy and flat and lifeless. So that's what you get at that intermediary stage when you do this cable yarn. So then I mm, made more plying balls with, for the cabled yarn, and ply that in the other direction and put really, really a lot twist in it. And still the yarn felt a bit flat and dead, but I'm pretty happy with the result. So um not quite sure if I'll do that again, but because I've also I've made my piece with um with the regular um cable yarn and with the bumpiness it doesn't bother me anymore. And um also when uh can't can't talk anymore sorry. Um, uh, I'm making finer yarn because uh, maybe you you saw it in the socks. Um, I had to knit them um, with uh, 1.25 millimeter needles because otherwise the fabric would have been too loose. So this sock yarn is actually a little um, thinner than regular four ply sock yarn. So, uh, yeah, um, I think I've reached the point where I have to take care not to spin my sock yarn too fine, which is a funny problem to have. I didn't know you could uh, have that. So, we're still in the knitting segment, but I'm talking, it's all, you know, intertwined. Because when you spin your own yarn and you want to talk about a project, you have to start with the spinning and then um so at least I'm not dying or um carding or something it's uh so maybe uh that's a good thing I'm not quite sure so what else do I have here ah I I started uh hmm. you might remember the um Isolda little long that was what's it called Blooming Tide. And um, when I was finished with that shawl I had quite a bit of yarn left over and I decided that I wanted to make a t-shirt. Here it is, it's not finished yet. Um, So this is, um, the pattern is the Crazy T and I forgot the designer, sorry. Um, And it's um, a, a crazy stripe uh, cardigan and the crazy tea has the same construction principle. So it's um, knitted in one piece. You start at the back neck as often, and then you do um, short rows and nice increases. So I find the um, the the sleeve the cap pretty nice. So then you go to the round. You can see it. Um, so the original pattern is for two colors but I used three. So this was uh, spun by me. I used um same merino silk that I used for those socks that I talked about um, just a moment ago. Um, so this is in yellow and orange. And for the glow tide shawl, I needed three colors that were would easily blend into each other and would be Pretty close but distinct enough. So that's what I had and that's what I used for the t-shirt. So for the t-shirt I'm using three colors because I didn't have enough of uh, just two and I like the effect pretty much. So what I did was um, I made one yarn that's two ply both um, yellow. I made another one that's two ply and both plies are orange but I made a third one that has um, one ply of orange and one of yellow, so um I had to juggle the um a bit around with the colors. So then you do stripes, and then after dividing for um the sleeve, so you you um. Oh no, you you take the sleeve um, sleeve stitches are um put on waist yarn. You cast on more, and then you knit the rest of the body. And after that, you start doing short rows so that your stripes are not um, equal all around. But you have a side where there's like um, I think it's six or eight rows of stripe, and the other one has more than twenty. And that looks pretty striking. And you end up with something that's a little lopsided. And then in the end, you Take the last triangle that's that you have created by doing all the short rows, and you do different short rows and end up with something that's level at the bottom again. And I think I've already finished the bottom. You know, yeah, the the whole um, the whole body is done. So next up, I have to decide what to do with the sleeves and how long to make them. I'm not quite sure. And I need to knit the neck band. But this is one of those almost done things, I think like a week of work and that will be completely finished. Okay, what else? can't read my notes, sorry. Ah, (laughs) I needed a gauge swatch for a sweater that I want to make for my husband, but I'll tell you all about that when I'm talking about spinning, because um, that's mostly a spinning story. Um, I haven't started the sweater yet. I crocheted one thing, but it was a big thing. I made another blanket. Here you can see it. It's... I won't show you everything. It has these nice oh, slightly pastel colors. I'm not a pastel color girl, but um, thing is when I finished the last crochet blanket, um, using a pattern from Attic24, I really love the blanket, um, I loved making it, but I felt a little bad because um, the whole thing is acrylic. Um, so I finished the pattern and I thought, like, okay, I've made three crochet blankets we don't need any more crochet blankets or blankets any blankets so that should be enough but it's just so nice to sit and crochet a nice cozy blanket especially when it's starting to get cold again and and the heating isn't on and you're all cold every morning and then you sit there like okay just one more stripe just one more stripe so i wanted to make another one even though we don't really need crochet blankets anymore. I don't think we actually needed the first three either. Um, I made one for my son and that one is one he could be using but he doesn't like the acrylic because it's um, getting all this static electricity and so he puts it over himself and then it he goes zip. With a uh, and gets little uh, electric shocks. Um, he doesn't like that. Funny. So um and I felt a bit bad about all the the acrylic because um it's plastic. I try to reduce the plastic I'm using. And um for me yarn is not something that's really important, and that I need. I could use um natural materials, but. The attic 24 um, patterns with their gorgeous colors are usually um, connected with the um, yarn packs from the wool warehouse. And then I found that she has one, one blanket that's available not only in acrylic but also in cotton. And yes I know cotton isn't good for the environment either but um, so I bought um the this um this yarn pack and the 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 blanket is a cotton blanket and it's called summer ripple so um summer blanket made from cotton it's perfect and <laughs> once I got this um this yarn I sat down started crocheting and didn't work on anything else until I was finished. So I finished this one in record time. It was oh, it was so nice. Though I have to say, crochet bl- uh, a cotton blanket not quite as warm as the acrylic one or as the uh Sophie's universe. Um I did that one in um from wool. Though I have to say the colors that I use, I'm not in love with those. I'm Actually, thinking of maybe one day making uh one of those gorgeous um colorful blankets by starting with undyed fiber, yeah be fun mm. we'll see. see. I'll tell you all about it when I do it, or if so, and then I spun um I'll just start with the last thing on my list because um. I still have the project bag uh, for the Crazy Tea on my lap, so I can show you the yarn. So um, the yarn leftovers that I had from uh, that tide um, knit along were not enough. So I had to spin more. I bought more of the fiber, that's the nice thing when you um, use commercial uh, fiber blends in. Uh, defined colors you can get more if you need to. Um, So I spun more of that and have already started um, knitting it into the t-shirt and as you could see I have still quite substantial balls of yarn left so um, the length of my sleeves will also depend on how far I can get with the yarn I have. So. this project has been lingering in the project bag for ages. Um, I need to pare down my big projects. Um, like the scarf. I always think, oh, scarf's just an accessory. Yeah. But but really, scarves take a lot of yarn and a lot of time and especially brioche, where you basically knit every um, row twice. So, um, your progress is pretty slow with brioche and knitting. But it's really squishy and nice so I don't mind but I can't start um like four huge projects all at once. Well I did but they won't get finished um in a month or so because um all of these projects take time and these days I only usually um knit um like Half an hour or one hour in the morning, and on weekends I often knit for maybe an hour more in at night. So not that I know. It sounds like it's much. It isn't. Um. So um, the next uh spinning project is um. Hmm. So this is um targhee. Um, it's moment. Ah. I keep saying moment because that's that's German. So it's just a moment. Um, so I went to the Wollmarkt Vaterstetten in two thousand sixteen, I think, and bought this Targi from Ätherische Öle. Um, it's a rainbow that doesn't have blue, so it's red and yellow and. There are several shades of green and I love it. And I decided to make um, a three ply a, a, a chain plied yarn. And I have this um, tiny Turkish spindle by IST Crafts. It's really lightweight. I think it only has like 11 grams or something. And I I used this for one project, no, I tried using it for a silk project, because I've, what was it, I think I was spinning silk hankies, I'm not quite sure, I didn't like the spindle at all, so I was just about to sell it, so that somebody would use it, and then I decided to give him one more chance, and to um, spin the targi on it. So spinning on a uh, on the on a Turkish always takes a lot more time, I feel, than um, I'm usually uh, spinning on my featherweight Bosworth. That spindle just zips along, and this one is very very lightweight. But the arms of the Turkish spindle are pretty big. They're not big. They're just in relation to the whole weight and thing. So when it's um, empty it turns slowly and the arms are dragging so but I found that when right now the um the spindle is pretty full and now it goes fast it's nice and what I also like about it I'll show you is that um So I have this bag for it that used to be um, a complimentary toiletry bag from uh, an air... How do you say... My father used to travel a lot for work and fly around the world when people usually didn't. And he got um, complimentary toiletry uh, kits and bags several times and this is one of them. So um I have the fiber in there, the bag is a little padded um, and then I push the um, shaft out and I leave, I, I, I wrap uh, one of these turtle things on the turkish. So I leave the bo- the two arms and the wrapped yarn and then I put it in the bag and since the shaft is out, I can just put it on top flat, and the um the whole thing with the ball of yarn and um and the legs arms whatever limbs of the Turkish spindle can go to the side and it's all flat and they it can get a little squished without breaking so um I've been wanting to make um uh, a bag for the turkish spindle from well two bags for my two turkish spindles for ages i think maybe i don't need to because when i uh, put them away like that uh, usually the um, the uh, yarn in that uh, tur- turtle stays together very well and it holds the uh, arms together and I don't think I'm uh, in danger of losing the shaft because um this bag has um a zipper. It's not my preferred method to um to close a project bag or a spindle bag because you have to take care that the fiber isn't getting caught in the zipper, but yeah. It's nice and this is usually the this is my new purse spinning. So I've been uh carrying this around for years now and uh, so about once in a while I'll, I'll spin a little and then uh, people will get all uh, googly i would like what's she doing like a beer garden or something pull that I'm like hey, spindle but eventually the whole thing will uh, get done and I'm not quite sure what I'll make with the yarn because it's really really bright. Um, so my first impulse is um, shawl, we'll see. I have a lot of shawls and these days I, I arrived at a menopause and I'm having heat flashes so I'm not wearing as many shawls as I used to. But, well, we'll see and that won't last forever as well. So let me see. Our next project is the North Ronaldsay. I'll tell you all in depth about that um, later, because that was my Tour de Fleece project. But I'll show you, I have North say in white, two bobbins full. These are the small uh, baby bobbins, lace bobbins. I keep forgetting which is which. These are the little lace bobbins. They have the um, thick so, there's not as much drag on the thread when you're spinning. So, I have two of these that's like 50 grams, I think. Not quite sure. Or 100. I think it's 50 grams of uh, white. And I have another not quite full bobbin of brown. So, I'll show you the fiber in a second. So this is the brown. Um, This was a gift from uh, someone I met on Reverie actually, whom I met at the very first Reverie meeting in Germany. And she went to a, what was it, some kind of yarn event in Scotland, I think, and brought me that so I have four hundred grams of this North Ronald's a two hundred and white and two hundred in this oatmeal color and i I think I told you about this let me see yeah I had this idea of making the Dathan pullover from by Kate Davis from this fiber. So the plan is, you love this. I'll take those 400 grams of fiber. I'll make it into a fingering weight yarn, a 2 I want to do a very uh, small skein of all white and another very small skein of all oatmeal. And those will be the colors that I use as is. And the rest will be plied one um, ply of white with one ply of oatmeal, so that I get this mottled look. Then I will divide the resulting yarn into 14 parts, apart from the white and the oatmeal one, and I will dye it to match the um, Milrocki Tweed Color Palette that Kate Davis sells through her somewhere has um, produced. So that will be interesting. So I was um, not quite sure if I should um, dye the uh, fiber first and then spin it or spin it first and then dye it and then I decided to In it first. And I will have to do um, trial dye runs. I'm thinking of dividing a hundred gram skein of sock yarn into 14 or something like it portions and then trying to match the colors. So then this is the plan. I'll Spin this, then I'll dye it, then I'll knit the day and pull over. Yeah, stay tuned. This project will probably last me another five years or so, especially since I'm not spending any time spinning at the moment. I think I haven't spun once all month. But I did spin quite a bit um, in July, and I'll tell you everything about it later. So, the last spinning project I want to show you is this brown Corridale. Pretty, well, unimpressive. It's just brown. Um, this is a three ply. It's worsted weight ish. It should have been more a decay weight, but it isn't. So, this came about because my husband told me he doesn't have any sweaters, so the thing is he, I made him two sweaters um one is like a um what's it? It's not turquoise it's um it's a color that's a bit darker teal that's the the word I was using so he has a teal um sweater that I made um and that he loves but the um neckline uh, the neck is a bit too open he'd like it to be higher maybe I already changed that I'm not quite sure but the thing is um the arms of the sweater are a little too long and it's very loosely knitted like all the stuff I make and so The um, sleeves are a little too long, so they, um, over time, they lengthened, and now they are reaching, like, over his wrists. My husband is a guitar player and a guitar teacher, so um, having sleeves that are too long for him is really bothering him, because you can't really um, play guitar with uh, long sleeves. They tend to get caught. Um, and like I find myself, I love my sleeves to be a bit longer, um, like I have this uh, Vivian cardigan and I wear that all the time and the sleeves are um, on purpose reach uh, like the base of your thumb. But I keep pushing them back and like uh, folding them back when I work because um, they are too long for that. So. My husband complained the sleeves were too long and I said, okay, I'll make them shorter. I mean, you can do that. Thing is, you actually have to do that. Um, I I did a, um, a, pod, a podcast episode about my UFOs and I showed, I think I showed the sweater and shortly afterwards I got him to try the sweater on and marked off the place where uh, the sleeves should be. So at least one step closer. So that was the one sweater he has but doesn't wear because the sleeves are too long. And the second one was a national novel write, a national writing, national knitter sweater month project where I spun and knitted this um light grey sweater for him. Um and that one, um hmm. My husband has you know there are all these jackets with the zippers my husband managed to get um the neck of his sweater caught in the uh, in a zipper and destroyed it and then there was um a place on one sleeve where um it was fraying as well because he's pretty hard on his clothes and especially on the woolies. So um I'm um so that one was out of commission for month and month and month and but I I repair it because I found I found some of the yarn. So I could and I did some duplicate stitch and yeah, so the grey sweater is back. He can wear it, but it's one wool sweater and he likes to be really warm and um he likes these um, handmade sweaters but he only has the one that he can wear and the one that I still need to alter. So since he asked for it I thought, okay I'll make him another sweater and of course I'd spin for it. So the brown corridor that you just saw is the yarn that I made for his new sweater and I decided to make the Hearthstone sweater by Isolde Teague. Surprise! all about Isola all all the time. Um, And I already knit a gauge swatch before committing to spinning all the yarn and so next step will be to um, start that project but I have I have the crazy tea and the bundled embryo sweater and I want to finish those before starting another sweater project. Um, uh, I think the yarn that I made is a bit too heavy for the pattern but I think I can adjust it. The other thing is that I didn't um, I didn't spin all the fiber. I'll um, I try to see how far I can get with what I have and then when I run out I will just spin some more. Because um, I think I still have like almost 300 grams of Corydale left on the fiber and if I don't need that. I can turn that into a different sweater for myself, like light a lightweight yarn or something. So we'll see. I'll just um start knitting. That might become my national knit sweater month sweater. Because that's only like five weeks away. We'll see. I'm not quite sure. I am I didn't really want to participate in the National Knit Sweater Month. Uh, thing this year because um it's not much of a challenge, and um I don't know i've been um I've stopped being so interested in uh, doing challenges by the way, I don't quite know why, so I need to get a move on because um i uh, I need to yeah, I have twenty minutes before uh, lunch <laughs> we' we'll see. Um the project wardrobe. Yeah, I actually made progress. Yeah, cue the cheering, pom poms, and uh standing ovations because I know I wasn't uh, actually sewing. I'm not doing much, but a little. So the black yoga pants are finished. I won't show them to you here on the video because um hue black p- black fabric, great. Um, but they are finished. I might have to put uh, elastic in the waistband, uh, but right now I'm wearing them without, and I'm still um, round enough that they don't fall off. So things are good. They are fitting pretty well. So um, I had uh, sewn them together, and then found that they were too tight because I have become a bit wider, and so um, I ripped all out and um, sew them together again with a smaller seam allowance and now they fit and I'm very happy. Um, I also did all the mending because all those um, jersey dresses that I made keep ripping because the seams are not as elastic as the fabric and so every time I pull them on and off and move is the danger of uh, ripping a seam. Mm. Um, yeah. And then I was planning the Stasia dress, and I'll tell you all about that later because that was the topic of another show. And I cut the fabric uh, for another plantain tea in burgundy with short sleeves. I already um, sew, sewed together the um, shoulder seams. And I have attached the neck, attached the neck band, but it looks horrible because I stretched the fabric too much while um, sewing, and so it's like um, all wrinkly and uh, ugly. So I have to um, take that out and um, reattach the neck band. Uh, the one the T-shirt I'm wearing right now is uh, another plantain T-shirt. That was my uh, prototype muslin. And I love it and I wear it all the time, so I want to make more. So now, after an hour of talking, I come to all the topics that I talked about in past months. All past shows. So the first topic was Me Made May 2019. So, for the first time ever, I participated in the Me Made May challenge that has been started by. Zoe from the So Something blog. Um, just uh, Google Me Made May and uh, Zoe, and you'll find her blog. Um, I always thought that I couldn't participate because I didn't have enough uh, Me Made clothes. And this year I thought, hmm, I'll just try. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, and I wear something else. That. such a fabulous idea. So I was always wearing the same things over and over. I own two swing dresses, um, this t-shirt, um, the, the skirt that I'm currently wearing, the denim skirt, it's a miette skirt, another miette skirt uh, that has flowers and I own a lot of me-made uh, leggings and um, one other dress it's called Martha a dress by Milchmonster, and um, that's like an oversized hoodie that goes down to I don't know, like a mini skirt. Um, so I only wore those things. Um, me made, made doesn't mean you have to wear all me made clothes. And for me, I wasn't counting my socks or cardigans, because I'm wearing those all the time anyway. Um, But I had like six outfits. I had the Martha dress that was for lounging around on the weekends. I had those two swing dresses, three outfits. And then I had uh, the denim skirt with the t-shirt I'm wearing right now. That's a striped plantain t-shirt. I uh, had a uh, hand-sewn top. From Studio Alabama, something that's purple, and that went with the denim skirt, and I had that other skirt, the flowery skirt that i, u- I usually wore with um the bought t-shirt those were the outfits, everything I wore in May, and that was really interesting because I was um, um, like having potential new students come to my house to check me out and my teaching skills and i have to say i never wore the orange dress with the red dots to a first contact with a new student but and i was worried that i would like look a bit eccentric with all these uh, skirts and like homemade clothes but i didn't let that stop me and I have to say that since may i have barely worn the jeans i've i'm still wearing mostly handmade clothes and that has um given me um new motivation to um sew more because they're just so comfy and i love them and um i don't know it's for me it's also a statement uh, that i don't want to um like mm, support um, this globalization where poor people in Bangladesh are making my clothes because they don't earn as much as I would do and all this thing and yeah I know it's not that easy and buying fabric is also yeah so lots of complex issues at work here but I love wearing my own clothes the ones that I made, that were made for me, that fit me, just so nice. Um, uh, but that means that my uh, the dresses get um, uh, a neat neat mending more often because I'm wearing them more more often. And so I had this huge pile of uh, mending sitting there, and um, but one day I had just new trick of mine, really fabulous. So. When I want to sew on the weekend? I usually want to start after lunch because um, in the morning I'm doing some formal exercise and you know how it is with a teenager. He eats breakfast like just before lunchtime and so the kitchen's always busy. And we have, um, so I don't have an extra room where I could sew, so usually I just Use the kitchen table. So best time to sew is between lunch and dinner. So um, I was usually just sitting around taking a break and like um, scrolling through Instagram, and then it would be too late to start sewing. It's really, really just not worth it getting the sewing machine out. So what I did, and that works really, really well, is that after lunch, I wouldn't take a break but do the dishes right away then clear everything from the table and put the sewing machine bang in the middle of it. Even I find it too embarrassing to put that sewing machine back without having used it. So that was working very well and I plan to do it again this weekend. So that was me May May. It was so great. I'm still not that much in love with sewing but I'm very much in love with wearing hands-on clothes. So that's what I will be, do, uh, will be doing. So already getting fringes at my lips. Mm. The That's a German expression by the way. Um, um, then the second, so that was uh, episode uh, 142 was about when is the best time for a major project. I had had this um, idea of vision of the Dayflin Pullover and then the question was when do I start that? Because in the past I just rushed into these projects and then I was sitting there with all these major huge monster projects and um, felt overwhelmed because there were too many of them and then you will just push them to the back of the closet and never finish them and that's no fun. So I kept thinking, do I start this dathan pullover thing? Do I really want to do this? I'm not quite sure if that pullover is something I will want to wear. What if things go wrong and I dye the yarn and it'll felt and look ugly and awful? Well, we'll see. I just started it anyway, but um, in that episode I thought a lot about um, what I find attractive in major project, I just I love this feeling of challenge and rising to it, and you know having something that's oh that's a really huge thing, and I did this and I love it. Like um, the time when I made that um, blanket for my father for his um, what was it seventy something fourth fifth birthday I think. I think yeah he'll be turning eighty next year, so I think I'll have to find something spectacular for that as well, but um, that was like okay i'll um I'll spin the yarn, I weave the blanket, I'll sew it all together, and it has a deadline, and I started it uh, through, um, for two the fleece, the spinning, and then I spent August weaving, and September is his birthday and so that's always such a rush and fun and makes me happy but um I don't I shouldn't forget that it also makes me totally exhausted, overwhelmed, anxious, cranky, confused. It's not all good. Um so I'm trying to only take on a certain amount of projects not to start too many big things at the same time because I can't forget that I'm still writing a novel and want to publish this trilogy sometime in the next few months. And I know I've been saying this since 2012. But it's a it's a different trilogy this time. Um and so I have to pace myself and not try it all at once. So um Thing is, there will never be a good time to start a big project. I find that even times that look like they're a good time to start a huge project, like um, for me summer break, that's six weeks off. Well basically I have a few students but like one or two a week, that's not that much. So I, in theory I have all this time, extra time for doing all the things. And yeah, but in in real life, it's never, there's never this time where you have like empty space before you. Well, I don't. I know there are people who feel their whole life is empty space and there's nothing to fill it, but that's not something that happens to me and I'm guessing, but I think that doesn't really happen to people who are crafters and do a lot of Um, do-it-yourself stuff. and Well, because as knitters and spinners and all kinds, we we always have something that we want to do and that we want to spend time on, not only watching Netflix or something. So um, I basically decided after I recorded that podcast about when is the best time to start a major project Just start it whenever. Not too many at once. So there might be a queue. That's um, why I'm not buying all the fabric for my project wardrobe, even though I have a list of things that I want to make. I know from experience that it takes me ages to get uh, something done. And um, also that during that time, list changes. Um, So I won't buy all the fabric that I want to use throughout the project. I'll just so for now, I have a list of three t-shirts and some other things that I want to make first. And the, for those, I have the um let me say the fabric already here. And I'll finish those and then I'll buy new fabric and do new project. Um my Fitbit just told me a great job for doing 250 steps while sitting here so um uh, next oh, oh project what up i didn't finish that sorry so um, right now um i have the q dress that's still almost finished two years uh, and i have that plantain t-shirt that i'm in, currently making the yoga pants are finished the black um pair and what else there's a fabric for a Dottie Angel frock somewhere in my uh, sewing project in progress uh, box. Then uh, next was um, episode 143 was a spontaneous cast on. And that was when I decided I wanted this Komodo sweater. I took the yarn. I cast it on and um, I finished it like in... I don't think that I put it aside much. Do you, I just went for it. Mm. So, And that was interesting because I had all these plans. I wanted to make the sweater for my husband and I was thinking about the Datham pullover and all kinds of things and the crazy tea was still, I don't know, at a point where I thought... I think I might have had to spin some more yarn. So I just pushed that all to the side. And said, I'm making this cardigan because I want to and I can and then I did. Um, so I just told you you shouldn't do that. Sometimes you. Um, it's all a question of balance. Sometimes it's about the starting something spontaneously and just go with it and then sometimes it's about the careful planning and just finishing one thing before starting the other i'm i don't think i do good with extremes but now that i'm saying it i don't think that anybody is good with extremes even if they think so i think some kind of balance is good and being too strict is no fun being too spontaneous is no fun either you think it will be. I know all these people who say, "Oh, I feel like it," so I'm doing it. Um, and I tend to go that direction myself, but that often ends with you doing things that you didn't really want to, in a way that you're not as happy with. And so, balance. Mm. Okay, next two uh, three episodes. Let me see. Oh, I'm late. Sorry. Um. Um, next three episodes was the Tour de Fleece. Um, Tour de Fleece was a bit wonky this year because I didn't have the big project. So my huh, my intention was to finish the Corridale before the Tour de Fleece and then start the Ronaldsay and North Ronaldsay and spin all of that. But I knew that I didn't want to pressure myself and I didn't want this to be stressful. And so I just okay. Oh, like, I didn't manage to finish uh, spinning the yarn for the sweater the the corridor, the brown one. So I just said okay, screw it. This will be my first Tour de Fleece project and then the North Runnel say will be my second and I'll just spin as much as I feel and if it doesn't get finished whatever. And uh, so I didn't I didn't spin as much as I have in the past. I also found that um, sitting there watching the uh, Tour de France is nice, but not if you're doing it every day for several hours. So it gets a bit boring after time just watching the landscape and listening to the commentators doing their thing. And I, I love all of that, but often it's like five six hours and i mean i have a life too and i have a job that uh, usually takes place in the afternoons at the same time as the tour de France. so i only watched some and i found that sitting in front of tv um spinning i often would just take out my phone and scroll through instagram look at reverie then spin for five minutes then wander off in my mind not physically, just um, like check my email and such. So yeah, yeah I'm not quite sure um, if that was a good thing or not, and I'm also not quite sure how I will proceed and if I will take part in the tour of fleece next year or not, but then I can decide that whenever. And I mean, it's perfectly okay to just Declare to the spinning to be fifteen minutes a day or something. So um, and I find, as I said, I'm not that much into um these uh, major undertakings, huge, challenging projects at the moment. So no, I won't uh, set out to spin all the yarn for a sweater in three weeks or so. Um, not this time. So this was a bit hmm, Subdued? No, that's not the right word. Not quite as stressful through the fleece this time. So um I did, as I said, three episodes on it. Uh one was about the anticipation. That was fun. And I said, Oh, I think I can finish the corridor beforehand and then I'll see how much of the North Rundle say I will get done in these three weeks and this this will be so awesome. And then there uh, was the second episode right in the middle where things weren't quite as awesome again. And then there was a conclusion where I'm very happy with what I did. Um and yeah, was okay. Um not something that's like, yeah, I pulled through and I did it. Uh you know, uh three miles uphill through the snow, uh something like that. Okay, then episode 147 was sewing project inventory. That was fun. I uh, took, uh, I have a box, uh, one of those um plastic boxes um for all the sewing projects in progress. So used to be I started a sewing project, I finished it and only then would I start the next one. Yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. So I pulled out everything that was in there and that was so funny because there were things in there that I didn't remember. So there's like this sediment at the bottom and that's the dotted uh, angel frog. Um, Like it's it's this kirtle like dress that I found really quirky and fun and uh, I started making a muslin um, out of an old or something and then I lost um, 20 kilos or something and I I don't know I I think I started the whole thing with the fabric that I was intending to use for real then I decided that I needed a muslin in between I lost all that weight so I had to um, use a different size and so it's Uh, it's a mess. Uh, There was also like yeah the Q dress, um, the yoga pants and the t-shirt in progress and I pulled that all out until and I showed everybody how I like when I cut out the uh, fabric I leave the pattern uh, on top of it so and I fold it together so you can see uh, what is what and then you can uh, because I usually these days I don't take a weekend. I used to do that when I was in my 20s. I would say okay I'm making this whatever shirt. So then I'd start on Saturday morning and then I'll go all through until it was done or maybe take a break for sleeping and then start again next morning. These days I sew a seam then pack it up again. Then like sew another seam, pack it Away. or And then I like, um, um, uh, pin together two parts, put it away. <laughs> Takes ages, but uh, it actually gets things done, because these days I don't have a whole weekend where I do nothing else but sew. Um, then I did an episode on spinning weaving yarn. And since I'm about to run out of time, I can't tell you all about it. Thing is, yes, you can spin weaving yarn. Yes, you can make it durable enough. And no, it doesn't take years and years and years. And if you want to know more about this, look into the book Spin to Weave. That's my foremost um, recommendation. Sarah Lamp is so nice. And so practical. And she has been doing this for decades. Um, and she has actually done um, experiments like um, what happens if I wash the yarn and then weave it with it? Or what happens if I don't wash it and weave it? And does it make a difference? Um, all kinds of things. And it's so, so great. And there were also a couple of other books that I recommended in that episode, and I'll link to that episode's show notes. Um, And you will find that, um, while usually the podcast is in German and the show notes are as well, the um, books that I recommended are mostly in English. So um, those of you who understand English can read these books too, if you can read, uh, which I imagine you probably do. So, and then episode 149 is called Slightly Crazy Sewing Workaround. So I've been having problems with getting my project wardrobe on the way as you might have guessed and I found that I was thinking about why that was and mostly I think it's because sewing is getting the sewing machine out and then I need like an hour or two to get started and then do something and then put it away again. And that feels like just this huge undertaking. Not that it really is. Um, As you probably know, it just takes me three to four minutes to set up everything. And then four minutes again to put it all away. That's not that massive a time commitment. But if you only have 20 minutes, mm, you don't want to like move your sewing machine around and set everything up and then sew for 7 minutes and then put it away again that's not a good use of my time the other thing was that um all those um knit dresses that i made are constantly ripping seams are not um flexible enough and so um i put the dress on and everything's fine, and next time I look there's a hole in the seam on the side. This doesn't happen with this t shirt I think because a I sewed it with a zigzag stitch and b it it's not as for fitting as those the swing dresses are really tight um uh at the waist, and I love it, but when you them off and on over your head they have to stretch a lot and sometimes the seams don't stretch enough. Um, So that's the one thing. And the other thing was as I said sewing always feels like such a huge project and I never get it done. And then I found that I am sitting on the kitchen bench every morning for 30 to 60 minutes knitting. And I could also, sew by hand because that's uh, and I really um, loved making the um, what's it called the, that Alabama studio top um, that was hand sewn. <coughs> and the <coughs> third thing, sorry, <coughs> mm, sorry, I'm uh, yeah talking too much. Um, the third thing was that um, I saw. So Liberated um, had um, a post up with her Stasia dress or something. I was looking at her site. So Liberated patterns. I love them. And I decided that I need a Stasia dress. Not quite sure why. I saw one and thought, this look aw- looks awesome. I want one. And then I thought, hmm, another knit dress to put on top of the 2 be sewing pile that never gets smaller. I thought, well, I could sew that by hand, in the way that uh, I I made this top, um, and um, I uh, I also had this brown uh, jersey that I had intended to make into a t-shirt and a pair of yoga pants, but since I was um, wearing all these handmade clothes during May, and found that I can. Wear leggings around the house, and I already have like four pairs of leggings. Well, I don't really need two pairs of yoga pants. So I thought, hmm, I could take that brown jersey and make it into a stasia dress. Hmm, I could sew it by hand. Oh, that would be fun! And then I had the uh patterns plotted. Mm, and that it wasn't too um expensive. I mean like 1 euro something per pattern. That's okay because printing those out and mm, like gluing them together and cutting them out takes quite a bit of time. So that was good. And then I went and bought some extra thread because um um I was following this the Studio Alabama method of hand sewing uh cloth. And they are using um extra durable thread for this like um it's called jeans thread in German. in German say like jeans gum or something so that's a bit heavier and you you can't you can't pull it um apart when if, if i usually if I'm sewing by hand I'm often just taking that thread and rip um yeah ripping it instead of cutting it. Um, But you can't do that with that thread. You'll end up with um, your fingers bruised. So it doesn't quite cut through the finger, but it hurts. So I'm thinking those seams will be more durable than anything I can do with regular regular thread and the sewing machine. And so I want to just um, sew this dress by hand. And yes, that's... um, Pretty crazy workaround, and will probably take ages. But who cares? My sewing projects always take ages, and this time I think I'll do I put the seam allowances to the inside, and I'll do a decorative stitch only at the neckband and the uh, seams, and the rest of the the seams I will just do a running stitch and then another running stitch to um, attach the seam allowance and make the seam more durable. That should go pretty fast. Yeah I know you're laughing right now. So um yeah I'll tell you all about it or maybe I won't because um, I haven't started that project yet and it will be a while. Because I have all these other things that I want to finish first and I don't want to rush into yet another major project again. So this is it. I'm already a little late for lunch. Um, Thank you for listening and having the patience with me for this very long episode. Um, you can find all the links uh, to things that I talked about on the creativemother.de homepage, and there's a little tab um uh, at the top um that's handgemacht podcast, and there you can if you click there, it leads you to another page where you can find all the podcast episodes. Um. Also, you can uh, send me an email if you want to, uh, to at susanne.creativemother.edu Susanne spelled S-U-S-A-N-N-E The German spell. And then you can find me on uh as Creative Mother, on Instagram and Twitter and Pinterest as FreeJazzMama. And if you're so inclined, you can also support the podcast and actually, like, buy me a coffee or two and since I don't to buy me a tea, that's better, um, on Patreon, under patreon.com slash And that's everything, I think. Until um, next time, I wish you happy knitting. Ciao! Dad, dad, da dad, 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 da dad, da dad, da dad, dad,